Hey there, welcome back to the Etsy Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Cody McGuffey, and today's episode is an awesome one. Very fun, very value-packed. We talk with Ronnie McKenzie, and he gets to share his story about how he was a full-time carpenter building houses, trying to figure it out early on in his career, trying to figure out this online business thing, and going through multiple failures, piling up hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, and eventually to where he is today and which where he has been for the past many years is being a full-time online business owner, selling primarily print-on-demand products. It's a very fun conversation where we get to talk about, obviously, e-commerce, our favorite subjects, print-on-demand, overcoming failures, getting success, big revenue numbers, highs and lows, and more importantly, the fact that he's a father, he's a husband, and he's able to have you know, these things in his life. And he's created these things. He may or may not be just obsessed with manifestation as I am. It was a very fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it just as half as much as what I enjoyed having it. This conversation was a long one. So what we ended up doing is we broke it into two parts. This is part one. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Everbee. And we believe here at Everbee that everyone deserves the opportunity to pursue their passions and to live life on their own terms. We believe in making e-commerce accessible to everyone throughout the world, no matter where they are, which country they're in, which state they're in, where they're at in their current in their life, their age, it's available for all of us. And we need to use it to make a positive impact on our families and in our communities. This is what we believe. Everbee is the e-commerce platform that helps Etsy sellers find winning products, helps them get more sales, and it helps them grow their business. With Everbee, you'll quickly understand what people are actually searching for on Etsy and what they're actually buying on Etsy. So that way you can just sell the customer exactly what they want to buy. There's no games, there's no tricks. It's just you're figuring out what is in demand and you're fulfilling that demand. It's the platform you need to be using in order to grow your Etsy business and frankly, to grow your e-commerce business, whichever platform you're selling on. Sign up for free, everbee.io. Let's jump in. How'd you even get started in the print-on-demand space? It's a odd. It's a long story. Like I, I really think it's the the laziness factor that that brought me to it. And I really feel like I manifested myself into print-on-demand because uh, I am a carpenter by trade, and I spent seven years doing that. And what I found through that time was I didn't enjoy it. I was I was purely doing it because Dad always said get a job or get a trade behind you because then you've always got that security to fall back on. And the reason, God bless his soul, that he said that way back then was because I actually wanted to get into acting and modeling that kind of thing. So he was, he was like super old school. He's born in the 40s, listened to Slim Whitman and all sorts of different old school stuff. Like he was old school. Anyway, he saw me wanting to do this stuff and um, he goes, I'd you need security, which is why I went down that path. But what happened is I was spending so long at work. I didn't enjoy it. And then um, my wife and I in 2010 had our first um, child, Sam. Uh, and six months into that, I was like, this is not for me. You know, I was literally up 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to get to site by 6.37. Wasn't getting home until 6.30 at night. And I was seeing him for like half an hour yeah. um, each day. And it was not what I ever wanted um so i drew the line in the sand i was like i've got to find another way so i tried stock market trading uh i did old school e-com and spent a lot of money got in a lot of debt with that six figures of debt 
but I always had that feeling that e-commerce was the way. I was like, if I could, you know, even back when I was 15, getting that first computer, if I can sell one product to everyone in the world for $1, a naive 15-year-old, I'll, I'll be rich. I'll be, this will be amazing. So mm-hmm. it was sort of that, you know, I was getting there. I was in e-com all of a sudden, just wasn't seeing where it clicked. And then toward the end of 2013, uh, I started seeing print-on-demand blowing up. There was mm. uh, crazy money being made. And because I came from this you know, rural mentality, my old-school dad's mentality of, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, mm-hmm. I, I sort of was skeptical. I was in a lot of debt. I had debt collector solicitors on my back day and night. Like It was the most stressful period of my life. Uh, but I never wanted to go bankrupt. I really wanted to repay the uh the suppliers that had put their faith in me that i would pay my bill i was like i cannot like leave them in the lurch sorry to interrupt i mean this is amazing already um when you say old old school e-com explain that to the folks that they only know print on demand as e-commerce today like what is old school e-com yeah so old school e-com so print on demand is amazing like it answered answers all the questions in terms of taking care of the inventory Old school e-com does not. As, as a silly carpenter, I came in. I was I was like, I need the best website. I need a warehouse. I need all the office equipment. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I was spend, 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 spend. Uh, so it was like $35,000 on a website. Uh, I got a warehouse. It was like 10 grand for the year. I spent probably five or six on the office equipment. It was a lot of heavy lifting just in that aspect. But where the work really began was when I got that website and I'm calling hundreds of suppliers. And I was a one-trick pony. It was just me in that one, mm-hmm. one man band. It was just me in that business doing that work. So, uh, you know, picking and packing orders, uh, putting all the sales on the website. And they were very similar to how we run print-on-demand sales now mm-hmm. is that these things, well, when print-on-demand first came out, it was like these campaigns last for three, three days to a week. And the sales that I was running was based on the flash sales model. It was like end of line product, that kind of thing. And I would have to constantly update the website with these sales that lasted days. Mine were lasting two weeks just to give me some breathing room. But every time you got a new supplier on there, it was like hundreds of different products that you're putting up there. So how many, so much work. How much money did you spend in inventory? I mean, cause I know that I've, I personally gone on that route also multiple times and inventory can be very, very expensive. It's in fact, it's the most expensive part of the business in old school e-com. So how, how much did you go in? Well, I pro- that was probably the smartest thing I did in that space. Like I spent um, on a lot of other things, but not the inventory because it was end of okay. line um, product. They told me what they had in stock, and I just put that on the on the site I at see. the price that I was selling it for, and then I only buy it. So I think it's uh, consignment based selling. Oh, um, okay. I think. Yeah, so I got lucky in that 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 area, but I still had to pick and pack all those orders. So it was still mm. a, a nightmare in terms of sure. inventory handling. So when print on demand actually came through, it I didn't have to take care of any of the finding the supplier or picking and packing the orders. It was all it was it everything that I'd done up to that point in e-commerce was like a baptism of fire, but really led me to what I loved about print on demand and why I've been here for so long, you know? So that's 2010. 
2000 or not i'm sorry that's 2013 but it was 2010 is when you kind of you were a carpenter full-time you had you're married you had your first child six months old you were like dude this this has to be a better way and then you three years go by so like were you doing stuff during these three years like were you trying e-commerce projects like what were you doing in three years before you kind of like able to figure out some sort of e-commerce business yeah so i actually met my wife in 2004 2005 uh and then we got married in 2008 and had sam in 2010 so cool. in that period between uh 2008 and 2010 I was always quite, I'm always being quite entrepreneurial. So I was trying to get into custom home theater construction in the carpentry, carpentry space. I had a period there where I did do um, some sales for an insulation company. So I learned a lot about sound insulation and stuff. I was like, custom home theater, just wow. You know, light, sound, image. Like I was like, this is my jam. So again, went full on with the branding there. But then in 2010 with e-commerce, after... Uh, the initial company folded. And the reason it did was it just burnt me out. There's just so much work going on. So the, mm -hmm. it lasted for about 18 months. So 2010 to mid-2011 uh, or end of 2011. It's a long time ago now. Mm -hmm. um, but I was trying to get acquired. I'd reached out to different uh, websites in Australia that were in a different space. I was baby and maternity focused. And that was when I changed my name from Ronald or Ron to Ronnie because I was like, if I'm operating in this younger market with a lot of women, which is the, the target market, I need to be approachable. And I felt like <laughs> Ronald was a, a hairy old man. This wasn't the, the vibe that I wanted to put out. So, but anyway, I went through the IM process. So I had people come on to help me um, put that document together. And the way I actually reached out to these websites was by just trying to come up with their email. Okay, so that's their business.com. I'm just going to try the founder's name in several different ways. And, and just by doing that, one of them hit. And he goes, you are exactly the type of business that I'm looking to acquire right now. So I went through that process. And um, this this the whole season, I guess, takes, uh, it's a long story, <laughs> put it that way. But um, effectively, like we'd been flying down, or I'd been flying down there a few times to see what their facilities was like, what they were going to offer the business, all that kind of okay. thing. And um, a mate of mine invited me to Anson Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards because he had been nominated for the Northern Region. This particular business that was looking to acquire me was nominated for the Eastern Region. We got on the source that night, got very, very messy. But it was like he's like introducing me to everyone as mm -hmm. if I'm already part of the team. My hopes were through the roof that this thing yeah. was going to go off. And um, anyway, about uh, a few days later, get home and um, get get on that final call. Mm -hmm. And he's going through the IM. He is very vague through the whole post process. He's like, okay, so you're on track to do $1.5 million in your first six months. I was like, uh, no, that's post acquisition. And then he asked me what my figures were and they were nowhere near that. He goes, oh, I'm going to have to look at my numbers again. And that was the end of the conversation. Didn't hear from oh. him again. So that was like, I kept going for a bit more, but um, that's where the, the debt started to really stack up. And and then I I sold the the database because I had built a bit of a, a following. I was always massive on creating a community. Like I wanted people to, my, my vision for it was I wanted people or the mums to log into the, 
my brand first thing they did on the Facebook and the last thing they did when they left. Mm-hmm. At that time, we still weren't spending all day, every day on social media. It was like, you know, it was yep. a, an, an effort. But So at the end of the day, you didn't end up selling this company. You have all this debt and you realize like, okay, I don't want to go bankrupt. So I need to find another way. Again, you kind of like double down on this entrepreneurship thing. And that's where print on demand came in. Yes. So through that period, I was doing the credit card shuffle. Like I was like putting that as much of the debt on the six month interest-free period, rolling that through until I had to find it again. Through that period, it was so stressful. Don't recommend. It got me through. And I, weird, strangely, my credit score is fine. Um, I don't know how I managed that, but um, it was just enough wins over that time through searching for these other things that allowed me to be able to manage that as stressful as it was. My wife, on the other hand, she thrives on security. I'm more insecure in that, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, probably mm-hmm. the ADHD brain seeking the dopamine hit. <laughs> she was, what's going on? And um, through that period, so we, we I, I went into social media management. I was lucky enough to meet a business partner, absolute um, legend. Um, we don't work together anymore, but, you know, through a, mm-hmm. quite a long period, we, we were. Uh, and... Um, we, yeah, it's a social media management, cheap website designing, that kind of thing. And that was, again, like teaching us things that I liked and things I didn't like about business, mm-hmm. like cheap website design being that, you know, you, you sell cheap websites, people expect the world for very little, mm-hmm. you know, you have to work very, very hard. Uh, and it's, it just didn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Social media management was a little bit more towards what I wanted to do. I loved building communities, still do. And, um, yeah, so and then just through that period, doing that long enough and making enough money to get by and seeing that um, print on demand came through, you know, when I start seeing that, you know, six months went past where I didn't do anything. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna give it a go. I've got to get in there. This is ridiculous. First month I did about thousand dollars in profit, just playing around, you know, doing trademark infringing stuff like what was everybody was saying to do back then and it never yep. felt right. I hated that. I had the idea of piggybacking off somebody else's success. And um started to zero in on a, a niche. There was a law that came through in Australia that, you know, uh, affected a certain demographic. So I started creating designs for them and in the second month, I was able to do six thousand dollars in profit. But in the third month, so I was already starting to be hooked. I was like, "This, mm-hmm. I can see what's going on. Yeah, yeah this is sure. really good." Yeah, and it was the the difference being back then to for a winning campaign to actually happen, you had to sell twenty shirts. So you were in the hole up to that point to to tip the campaign in order to be able to get paid your profit, which then paid for the ads that we were running on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Month three rolls around. I started seeing that these name shirts were were blowing up, and I was like, "If that if names are doing well, I'm going to try ages." And holy, mo- like it was ridiculous the scale at which we we nailed it. We we scaled through um, America, but went into the UK, Germany, or not Germany at that time, Australia, South Africa, any English speaking countries around the world. So in three weeks, we did over $300,000. And back then, that the mm. only thing that you had to take out of that was there, you didn't have to pay cost of goods because you were just getting commission on the sale. You had to pay for your ads. Okay. At the time, ads super cheap. It was back in the, the wild west of the Facebook days. $100,000. So it was about $200,000 US 
that we had made in this three-week period. Unreal. We were seeing these payouts coming into PayPal. It was like $10,000, $10,000, $10,000, $4,500 because they couldn't pay in any bigger than $10,000 increments. Mm-hmm. I always, I had this belief that this big money was out there that would help me repay this debt. I just didn't know how to do it until I found print on demand. And it, like this is what, what I mean about it, it manifesting this right. this business model that answered all the questions, um, addressed all the the things I disliked about old school ecom, allowed me to do a lot more in a lot less time. Because we, as you know, with print on demand, there's three main factors. We've got the the research to find the opportunity, the designs to to really make yourself stand out off um, other products that are successful in that space, and then obviously the marketing. Um, that with that. With that simplicity, you can get a lot more done in a lot less time. You're not calling supplies. You're not picking and packing orders. You're focused on the money-making activity. Say that again, that's if you don't mind. mind. Say that again for the folks that are listening to this. Um, you, I love simplicity. Everybody's all about simplicity. And we we tend to overcomplicate things in this very evolving and fast-moving world. But it really, it's like the foundations, right? So can you say those three things again once more? The three things? So the... The what allows it to be simplicity, so simple, is number one, the research. So the research is spotting the opportunity. So, you know, using a tool like Everbe, seeing what's selling out there in the marketplace and challenging yourself to go, how do I make this better? Why is this product successful? Who are they marketing to? What do I need to add to that so I can get my own sales, you know? Um, is it a different product? What do I need to add to it? Is it personalization? Is it imagery? Is it a phrase? Like there's mm. so many elements that you could potentially add to these things that would allow you to blow that up. That's the research phase. Love it. And the concept creation, that kind of thing. So really using success to the, the, the clues that success are leaving to inspire our own design. Got it. The design aspect and it is ridiculous the day and age we live in. Like, does I've always taught and 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 taught this because it's what I do is to use other designs to emulate for your own. So that doesn't mean like it could be a completely different shirt and a completely different niche or a blanket or whatever. But what you're seeing in that particular product is. How have they used the font? How have they used the spacing? What images are they using where? Because when you can pull on, again, the success of something else in this state, in this vein, it's a professional looking design because I'm not a designer. Like I never was, but I was like, I can see good design. I can't do it from scratch. And that's the mistake a lot of people make is they try to do things from scratch and it just looks mm. so clunky. This is why you know graphic designers are paid good money is because they right. can they've got that eye for detail. They're specialists. So yeah. exactly. So if you can piggyback off that, then great. You're not you're not stealing anything. It's not the words that you want. It's just literally lay out the font styles, the the style of that design. If it if it connects with you, put it in your your um, database yeah. and away you go. Can I pause on that for a second? I agree. Actually, I speak with obviously lots of sellers and they're, they're my people. I, I love it because I am one of them. And I am actually one of these people that's not a good designer. I'm not, mm-hmm. I suck at design. And I, I, was meet, I was meeting this person recently. It was actually this weekend. 
a couple of days ago and he was a new seller, got a couple of sales under his belt on Etsy, which is awesome. But he is a learning Photoshop and illustrator right now to get his first designs up. And I'm watching him struggle, just struggle, just struggle. And then he shows me the designs and they don't look very good, right? Just like anybody that's like starting out on Photoshop and Illustrator, of course, they're going to be terrible, right? That's, it's so hard to like learn this massive tool that specialists and experts use. I'm not saying it's a bad skill to learn, to focus on and like kind of on the side, but it's, there's faster ways today. Canva is being one of them, right? Um, going to Dubai designs that are obviously trademark free, uh, but there's, there's better ways than having to learn this huge, huge, huge skill that literally people spend 20 of years of their life specializing in. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to, to mention that because I noticed that this weekend specifically. Absolutely. And, and the problem with that is that you feel productive. Like mm. you, it's enjoyable. I love learning Photoshop. I love learning how to you know, create videos and, and that kind of thing. Problem is it doesn't make you money. What makes you money is learning the bare basics of that. Like the way I've taught myself Photoshop over the years is how do I select that particular image? How do I move that layer there? Like, and just Google it as I need it. The, the funny thing with print on demand is ugly cells, simple cells. And what we often do, particularly when we don't have that skill as designers, is we try to overcomplicate it. We want to put extra things in there. We're like, Oh, it needs rose petals here or a love heart there. You know, all these different things that really don't matter. The thing with print on demand and particularly the style that I sell with print on demand is really captivating people's attention through that heartfelt, emotional, statement-based, you know, funny style of product where it's the words that do the selling. Any image that goes on there is... It's the subconscious cue that it's for a particular niche. So if it's for mm -hmm. bikers, it might be you know a skull with handlebars or something like that. It's a pure, like that's all I want it to be. It needs to look good, but outside of that, I don't want flames all over it. I don't want bones and whatever it is that makes me feel good. That you know this is a great design because what I found over the years is the more design you put into it the less likely it is to sell. And because we're testing a lot of products, the more design elements you put in it, the longer it takes to create that design, the less products you've got out there, the less chance of being successful. So it's, you know, with it being a numbers game, we really want to make sure that we are getting these products out. Done is better than perfect. And when you're spending your time learning how to create through Photoshop or, um, you know, really knowing what those tools are, are for, you're... This is what I was trying to get to before, and I take quite some time to get to point sometimes as you're experiencing. When you've got tools like Kittle, when you've got Canva, when you've got Creative Fabric and Vector Stock and all these other tools at your disposal, you don't need to do much designing yourself. Do the research to find out what is selling, phrase-based, and how you can make it better. And then then leverage these tools that are out there to be able to create these designs far more quickly because getting them out is what you need to be doing, getting at the designs, not learning how to use a marquee tool. Love it. This is golden. Yeah, thank you for this. Um, I have some questions that I want to make sure we get to. Uh, talk to us about your family. You mentioned already because a lot of people listening to this are, 
I mentioned this all the time. People are driving, they're driving to work, they're driving home from work, they're stuck in traffic. Maybe they're at their house taking care of the kids or maybe just, just got the kids down for naps or for bed time. Uh, they don't have a lot of time. Uh, talk to us about your family life, if you don't mind. I'm married, mm -hmm. as you know, two kids, life's crazy, right? A lot of other people are in the same exact boat. How much time, I wanna talk, maybe start with, talk to us about your family and how does that work inside of entrepreneurship? Yeah, yep. Uh, good question. So, again, this is uh, where I think the laziness factor comes into it. And I think over the years, I've always, the, when I was on the tools as a carpenter, I was like, there's got to be another way to make more money in less time. And that was my guiding light more money, less time. And that's where print on demand, and again, going back to those three key money making activities, getting a lot more done in a lot less time. So, my family life, so two kids. So my son's 13, my daughter's nine. Sam's, you know, super into his fitness. Like he's very much like me. He likes going from sport to sport, testing lots of different things. I love that. His mum doesn't because she's pick one, get really good at it. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> lots of everything because jack of all trades, master of none, oftentimes better than master of one um, mm. is my thinking with it. With Keely, she, she loves her dancing. Like she lives and breathes it. Um, my wife's owned a dance studio for some time and Keely, since she was 14 months of age, has like come up there. So, but when I was a child, my dad, we, we owned a trailer park or a caravan park uh, and we lived in a house on site. So the problem with that was my dad being old school, his mentality was I have to provide for the family. That's what, that's what drove him. Whilst I saw him every single day through my childhood, he was never present. He was always working. He was always helping customers. Um, you know, he, he wasn't giving us any of his time, never coming to school to see any activities, never coming on holidays with us, that kind of thing. And that was the one thing there. I was like, you know what? When I am a father, I, I want to grow up with my kids. I want to have kids young and I want to grow up with them. And I knew to do that, I needed to find a business that allowed me that. I knew, and this is again going back to carpentry and having those massive days did not tick that box. I was like, this is not me. And um, that's when, you know, with print on demand, I can be there in the, the morning helping them get ready for school as stressful as it is sometimes. You know, when they like take them to school, be there for those important days, like, you know, sports carnivals, when they mm -hmm. win an award. You know, those things like mean the absolute world to me. I want them to see me there supporting them and encouraging them and coming up through life. Is it too much? Maybe, because it may not given that drive that I had when I was a child, but, you know, you just try to I was do gonna the ask best you, that. you can. I was going to ask you that. Like, where is the, the balance, I guess, in between that? Because obviously I'm the same way, by the way. I mean, that's what drew me to entrepreneurship is I wanted freedom, right? So where I can have the option to go to my kids' sports thing or school thing or Christmas, you know, ceremony thing at school, all that stuff. I wanted to be that too. However, there's another side of me too, is that it's very important for me to show my kids, hey, it's, it's good to work. It's good to be productive. It's good to have a mission in life and a purpose in life and actually dedicate your life towards, you know, a calling so I'm always in this, like, not in a bad way, in a very good, I think in a good way, I'm biased, of course, uh, <laughs> to, to show them that when you find something, pursue it a hundred percent, because the last thing I want to them to see as a, 
you know, at a young age is that dad doesn't really like, he just kind of plays all day too. And that's cool. But like, it's okay to like really, really commit to something in your life and make, try to make an impact on the world. How do you view this? Mm -hmm. And how do you kind of tackle it with entrepreneurship? It's a great question because with print on demand, the the shiny object syndrome is real, right? And and <laughs> my my good mate, he still says it now. He's like, you change business like you change your underwear. He used to say that about my careers back in school. You know, I've been lucky to have the same mate through that period. But um, in terms of commitment, it it is important commitment and focus. So my big focus, like I've got three or four F's and it's like fitness, health and fitness, family, finances, and friends or friends and finances. And if I could fill those four buckets, I'm, I'm stoked. So firstly, my kids are seeing me incredibly dedicated to doing the gym, like doing like, you know, um, meal prepping and knowing what I'm eating, eating good food, good quality food, and that kind of thing. They know I'm extremely dedicated. So while they may not be like Keely, she is, she loves her dancing. She loves her friends. Sam is a lot more like me as a child and he's bouncing from thing to thing to thing. You know, he's a natural born athlete. He, he, he makes friends very easily. He's very, very charismatic. Um, um, that's where I get it from. And um, if I am, I mean, <laughs> go on. Um, but, but equally, they're seeing me work hard. They see that, you know, when dad's in the office, when they're on holidays, dad's working, you know, from, and it's usually nine to two 30. So it's not a massive work day that I'm doing. Oftentimes mm -hmm. I've got calls before they get up in the morning as well. Uh, and I just make the business work in those hours. Mm -hmm. Am I perfect? And do I have my phone with me when I shouldn't, when I'm with family? Yeah, un unfortunately, I do sometimes, and I hate sure. it. And it's something that I really, really want to uh, get rid of. There's times where I've been through periods where I've been able to make that boundary and go, no, I'm not touching mm -hmm. that phone until such and such a time. It's hard. Like the, these things are designed to to make, keep us tethered. You know, so I think that's um, awesome, man. I I really I respect that a lot. I mean, it's important for your kids to to have this and see this see their dad be just an amazing dad. Right. And it's also important for them to also see that same amazing dad be this amazing entrepreneur. And the reason why it's amazing, in my opinion is because it proves that you can actually have both because so much in the past has always been like, you, you can be super, super successful, but you'll probably have to sacrifice your wife, your kids, probably being a good parent. Like you probably have to sacrifice all that. And if you want to, if you want to be like a multimillionaire or make a big impact in the world, like you have to give up those two things, you know, give, give up those things. That was like my belief deep down. That was my belief growing up blue collar type of growing up. And, and I love my, my upbringing, but that was my belief. Like, Oh, I looked at somebody rich and they're usually divorced. Right. Like you look on the news, like they're super successful and they're super amazing. And you're like, wow, wow, wow but they've been divorced twice and their kids like hate them for some reason. Right. And you're like, Whoa, I don't want to be successful, I guess. And what I've proven in my, to myself, at least is that you can absolutely have both. It just comes down to very, very detailed focus and intentionality with having those things. And you mentioned your, your four F's. I have my things too, like family, health and wealth and relationships too. And 
same buckets, right? It's so crystal clear. I can't screw up on any of these things too much. Otherwise, it throws my whole life out of whack and it's all of a sudden out of congruency. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. Like it, Having a clear vision certainly helps with that for sure. You know, um, it's always that, that guiding light as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's, there's been periods of time that you fall outside those buckets and, and you kind of feel off, but, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm certainly in the same boat there, Like you just, there's a clear vision. And when you've got that clear vision, it's, it's, you, you've got that calling. And the one thing that, I have never allowed myself to do it. And for whatever reason, like my favorite quote ever, you know, I'm, I live by quotes is one of Arnie's and it's the worst thing I could possibly be is just like everyone else. Mm. And when I saw these things, these examples of uh, successful entrepreneurs, maybe that they're in that position where they, you know, they've got had extreme success, but it's to the sacrifice of the family that, that didn't speak to me. Mm. You know, because my, and I asked this of a friend the other day, I was like, what's, as a father, what's your definition of success? You know, when your kids are adults, what's your definition of success? Because mine is that my kids still want to hang out with me, you know, at when they're 25, 30 and so on. I've always imagined this big house where they bring all their friends, you know, because that's just the space they want to be. Mm-hmm. And so back to the point of seeing these people, I only need a precedent. I only need one person. And if there's not that one person, I'm willing to be that one person. So Richard Branson, for instance, like he's a happy, successfully married entrepreneur and absolutely crushes it. So there's a precedent there that you can do it. What's his balance like? No idea. And I don't want to assume. I don't assume that I have to do it a certain way in order for me to be successful. So success for me is a roof over the heads, but first and foremost, being there with the family. You know, I want to be a, a present dad in my kid's life. So I, I'm not going to sacrifice the importance of that for fancy cars or fancy homes and all that kind of stuff. I'm incredibly grateful for a comfortable life. You know, I've got everything that I ever wanted. Everything from here is just you know, it's the the extra. It's just nice to have. Bonus. You know, so, and and I can, I could, I could, you know, bust my ass like up at 4.30 and go through to 10.30 at night just building out this thing. And I've got like business ideas and things that I'm working on all the time. I've got a new one that I've, I've got on the back burner at the moment because the shiny object syndrome, you Real know, thing we've only got so much time we've got bandwidth that we need to allocate to the things that are important to us and it's like what are our focuses like what's what's the main money making activity right now and what i can say to anybody that is working on improving their health or finances is good on you because so many people take the easy road they will have a beer and they'll sit down and watch tv and not do anything to improve their Mm -hmm. lot in life you know, and I, massive respect if you are out there and you are willing to take that chance, invest in yourself, you know, in whether it's time or money, whatever it is to improve where you are in your life, 
like massive, massive respect because this entrepreneurial game. And the thing is, and as a marketer as well, so much of it is the highlights. Like it's amazing. You know, I made this much money in this much time and, and you do do that, but that's not the only thing that you are enjoying in that time. You have to enjoy the bad times and there's a lot of them. Because these bad times, and I saw an amazing image that really summed up um, entrepreneurship um, yesterday. And that was, it was just a cartoon and there's, it's now going to be the new cartoon that I go to. We had a conversation last week about the diamond miner turning around mm-hmm. just before he strikes through and hits the diamonds. This new image is effectively all these speed bumps and roadblocks and anything that's just like designed to to stop you, you know, and go back to the comfy couch and, and back to what you know. You know, you can either stack that, like we've, we've got a hole that we're trying to cross, right? We can either mm-hmm. use those challenges, speed, bo- uh, speed bumps and roadblocks as blocks that stop us from ever progressing, or we can use them to fill that hole to get it to the other side to Very achieve cool. the results we want. We are going to fail. And the more we can... Uh, allow ourselves that space to know that we're going to fail and failure is part of that journey, the more we'll, the faster we'll find success first and foremost. You're not a failure because you've found a way that hasn't worked. You know, you're a failure if you quit. That is it. That is failure. Other than that, it's just a way that doesn't work on the way to finding the one that does. So this is so that, that, that image, <laughs> I'll tell you what, you have I'm to not going to get it tattooed on me, but it's going to be on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, we we went deep and spiritual here for a bit, which I always love. It's very easy to do, especially when you are kind of like you believe in manifestation, you believe in focus, you believe in like law of attraction or these things, right? Which I, I really do actually believe. And uh, if you yes, don't. Sir. Too bad. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, you probably should but, actually. You probably should look into yeah, it actually. It's a real but, thing. A caveat on that. So the law, there's a, a, a law, and I haven't read The Secret or anything like, well, I won't oh, say anything book. like that because I have. Like, but my, my understanding of The Secret is that you're sitting there and you're, you're hoping and wishing and thinking about these things coming into your life. That is not enough. Like what, where the game changing actually happens with that is when you have these thoughts and and manifesting. So you're seeing those $10,000 months or the $100,000 months or days, whatever it is that goal is, or the six pack, what, whatever it is. When you actually not only sit there and experience and think about it and feel what it would be like to be there, but you back that up with the work to do that, that is, that's, that's, the that's manifestation. That is that's the where it is. It is yeah. so, so, so simple in theory, mm-hmm. right? It's very simple. It's exactly what you said, man. You nailed it. You have to be so crystal clear on this vision and it's to the point where you feel it emotionally and you can dream about it every day. And honestly, it, it's it's work at first. Like you had to have to force yourself to like visualize this stuff for a while. Pretty soon it turns into a habit. Pretty soon it's who you are. And pretty soon, sure enough, you're just taking action just because it's like, oh, this is who I am. And then pretty soon the results start to show up about three, six, nine, 12 months later, sometimes 24 months later. Um, it's happened so many times for me, Ronnie. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's unreal. Like with the smallest things to, from a, to a parking space, right. Where I always get a parking space every time 
right in the beginning, right in the, right in the front of the place. I always get a spot. My wife will tell you it's crazy. Right. Um, and we joke about it because it's so, so true. And I just believe I'm always going to get the parking spot. And, uh, and if I don't, ah, I'll get it next time. I know for sure I'll get it next time. You know, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's this mentality. It's exactly. like a trick on our brain, yeah. a trick in our brain. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I love talking about law of attraction and manifestation because nobody talks about it enough and everybody thinks it's like such a boy, boy. Uh, mm -hmm. doesn't yeah, have to be as though. a carpenter like that that's the world i came from like not not that woo woo bullshit like it yeah that's it's right. got a stigma attached to it because so it's true. like intangible is that what it is like it's just like it's this thing but you see it and it's so many people and this is the precedent, right? Where you're seeing other people that have had massive success work with people that believe in it and teach that and coach it. So Tony Robbins, you know, sure. obviously is is the, the biggest, you know, motivation or business minded um, coach out there. You know, Dana White, you know, going to him and getting one on one help. Presidents, uh, other business juggernauts, like they all believe in it. Who are we? If we haven't achieved the level of success that we want to achieve, who are we to go? That doesn't work. Like it's that's a, a very bad story that we're telling ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to see this again. Success leaves clues. What inspired these people to take so much action to get the results that they want? And it's taking action. So again, I had very clear um, ideas about what that meant to me how many hours am i willing to put to this and they often say that you know you work um, 100 hours for yourself so you don't have to work mm -hmm. 40 hours for somebody else it can be that but when you're working on something that you enjoy it really does not feel like work it really doesn't you know with print on demand it is so addictive because you know you get some you know into some rabbit holes like of niches that you really really love creating for all of a sudden you're doing all this what you don't know you're doing it but you're enjoying it. And so long as you keep the boundaries in place of what it is that you need to be working on in that time, so you're not just spinning your wheels, learning how to do Photoshop inside out, and you're actually pushing your business forward where you're focused on, okay, so you know, right now, three to five keywords you know, that I want to focus on that I really want to unlock. Right, got them. So now I need, I want to put five designs up each week for them. Okay, cool. All right, so what's what are we at? So... 15 if we're on the lower end there we want 15 designs up this week cool go to work do the research get the concepts get them designed get them listed you've got clear boundaries of what you're doing but you're still enjoying it you know so you just follow your checklist have i done this go through it and and you, it's that consistency so and this goes back to motivation and whatnot and one thing you'll hear business coaches say and why you you do the meditation and manifestation stuff is to stay motivated the thing with motivation is, and we hear it all the time, is it's a fleeting thing. It really is. And this is where habit and consistency comes down to it. So a book that I absolutely love, and you'll hear many people say it, is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm, you know, habit stacking. Until you get into that space where you're, you're doing it by default, you need to learn easy ways to bring this into your life so for instance i got really into health and fitness when my son was i was driving 25 him driving him 25 minutes to swim training he's doing two hours in the pool 
fat Ronnie sitting on the the sidelines looking at him going like expecting him to do this commit to this thing and I'm just there judging his stroke I'm like no that that's not right this is a perfect opportunity for me to put on some shoes and go for a run bit by bit it was hard at first very slow stop start but what I found just by doing that and using my son selfishly as inspiration for me to actually get in there I was like, I need to inspire him to keep doing it. I, I can't stop. And right. so through that process of when he went training, I went training as well. You know, I started to fall in love with it and absolutely love running. Whilst I don't run at the moment because of some injuries, I'm still very, very focused on on the gym side of things. So I very, very rarely miss a day. I am getting a little bit older. So if I do have a niggle, I'll go, you know, I can give this one a miss, but I still feel bad about doing that because I just want to walk through those doors because the thing that James Clear says, you ever go two days without um, like, like doing that habit, you're creating a new habit. You know, that that is very clearly in my mm. mind. Although that I know now that I've moved past that and I'm really, it's part of my life. It's going to happen no matter what, but you really got to have those boundaries and keep pushing yourself through whilst you're enjoying it, you know? So of it i'm not sure what the point i was trying to make there but i'm sure I got well to in let's there. <laughs> let's uh let's get the sellers some actual tactical stuff um i know we did a lot already but where should someone get started you have got experience in facebook ads etsy probably various other platforms i'm sure you do funnels probably shopify all the good stuff um where should someone begin um, good question. So where should they begin? So with print on demand, <laughs> I say it every year, we got more opportunity this year than we've had ever had, but seriously, we've got AI, we've got all these different tools that are helping us get started like Kittle, ever be seeing like the insides of, you know, a successful full business. So what we want to start with is I think finding the opportunity first and foremost. So <clears throat> And again, what attracted me and probably so many people to print on demand is the the low cost of startup for it. Mm -hmm. You're not paying anybody for products until you you know they sell. It's mine. It's stupid how simple that is. You know, to be able to buy something up someone's bought from you. How do we get started? The lowest cost way of getting started in 2024 is Etsy. We knew it last year. We know it this year, but what we're aiming to do is find where these winning products are coming from with focus. So we want those three to five keywords and, and we're using that, that boundary so we don't continually get pulled left, right and center, not giving any one keyword or opportunity the airtime it needs for us to be able to research the keyword, the niche, the, the market um, and actually unlock those sales within. So giving that us that- mine. Yeah, sorry. So that is my question right there. It's perfect, by the way. I, I totally agree with this and very interesting. When you say keyword mm -hmm. and then you said niche, are you kind of talking about the same thing, using those words interchangeably or? Yes. Okay. So you do believe in like start an Etsy, research mm -hmm. a niche, and you do believe in actually someone starting with actual niche. Is that correct? Versus mm -hmm. like a general story. No. Okay. No, no, no. So, so niche versus general store. And it's funny because I just shot a training on niche versus general. 
Nice. There, there's pros and cons to each, you know. So, uh, but if you've got no experience, then the general store is the best way to go, unless you know a niche inside out. Like you're you're a cyclist and you know the way they're speaking to each other, the images, the colors, the fonts that resonate with with your market. Going general is by far the smartest approach with with Etsy, the Etsy first approach. The reason why we're doing that, and and I, niche keywords like they, you, you see them cross over all the time in keywords anyway, you know. So, and you'll often find that a keyword for a product often has a niche attached to it, where there's a lot more opportunity. What's so an example? Teacher, of like a keyword? Okay, teacher gift. You said, yeah. So teacher gift. So okay. or hooded blankets or or cocaine or you know, there, there's these keywords that pop up every all the time like they're always there uh, that you're you're seeing and then choosing them as your focus so you've got trend keywords you've got product keywords you've got niche keywords all sorts so you, you need to do some research and go through and search through your uh, your different the way i do it is i choose a supplier that i want to work with and go through their product catalog first and foremost one by one hoodie then I search for that keyword to see if there's, you know, low competition, if it's highly searched and see if there's any opportunity on that and do that one by one on every product. And then you can do the same um, same exercise with niches and whatnot. And you're literally just finding out what it is that you're going to focus on first and foremost. That is as simple as it gets. Like don't overcomplicate it. Look for the keywords. If you've got, you know, high quality search terms which is that you know any and and with etsy our tags are 20 characters um but our titles and descriptions we can use a longer tail keyword in there to help put it in front of the right people but we know with these tools what people are searching for and the more people that are searching for a particular term the more we know that there's opportunity there and if there's less competition it means that there's less competitors that we're up against it doesn't mean that once you progress through it and you get really good at being able to see success in the marketplace and and create your own variation of that product that you can't go into super competitive space and find a lot of success either but first and foremost the three to five keywords on a general store allows you to bounce around from product to product and this is very difficult because i've always been very much about focus one product, you know, because that way it allows you that space to, when you're not at the machine, you're thinking about this product, how to create for this product and this product alone. Now, my the majority of my success has come from the Facebook first approach where I am searching and investing in advertising to find where the winners are coming from. When you've got the Facebook first approach, it's very, very important because again, it's a numbers game and we, we want to find out where people are connecting with the products that we're creating. And then once we find them, scaling them hard and fast. And that's where the paid advertising element comes into it. You can make some very, very good money very, very quickly with paid advertising. With Etsy, it's, whilst you can still make very good money, it's a, it's a slower process. So I, I went Facebook first, then Etsy. So bringing uh, winning products that I've found on Facebook across to Etsy. Mind you, the majority, if not all of them, are, are designed to good fundamentals, meaning 
you know, the design's easy to read. Uh, you know, the image isn't overbearing in, in the sense that people aren't trying to figure out if it's a, a rose or a petunia or a lily or whatnot. They're very much focused on the words, the statement, the heartfelt message, whatever it is, uh, and then bringing that across. And because and you're specifically focusing on a type of person, like a demographic, like an, an audience or a niche in this case, or you're simply just looking at the product and you're designing for various niches and advertising on Facebook. Yep. So Facebook first is so focused product and a focused niche group. And the way okay. and what a niche group is, so instead of going just, for instance, bikers, we would go automotive. So the niche group would be the automotive and it allows you a little bit more flexibility in scaling into other niches or testing in other niches. So you've got bikers, cars, trucks, motocross, anything that with an engine that now falls under that niche group. And with your, instead of just, again, when you're first starting, niche grouping allows you to have a much clearer brand voice. You know who it is that you're speaking to when you're doing social media content, when you're creating your designs, it's so much easier. And then once you've got a design that hits in, say, bikers, you can easily um, spin that out into a design for truckers or to, you know, motocross, whatever it may be. So it's a way to scale out while well, still being niche grouped and having that focus clear direction, but um, not pigeonholing yourself to just one, which could be just cycling or just nurses or something like that, or even a design style for that matter. Very interesting. So would you recommend people go straight into Facebook first or would you recommend, no. so you still, still recommend them go to Etsy first, yeah. find the winning it, I mean. Picture. Yeah, so there's parameters around that. So if you've got more experience and you have been making sales, whether it be on Etsy or um, Amazon, I mean, it's a it's a Facebook second. You, you've got winning products. You've got the confidence knowing that these products sell. So it's a different strategy that you're using when you're coming into there. You're working on what the offer is. You know, it might be playing around with that design. You know it sells, but is that design the one that's going to sell? It's got to be, you know, because they do behave differently. Because Facebook is... <clears throat> discovery based like not it's discovery based like we're interrupting people interrupting. that are on the feed they don't come there to buy unless they're on marketplace but for the most part if they're on the news feed they're not buying you literally have to make these products stand out capture their attention which is the subtle cues with the the images I was talking about before you don't want to have an overbearingly um you know overly designed product that takes away from the thing that actually sells the product. And that is the message. What is that message? Uh, because if, the faster you can get someone to read that and click through to your website and purchase that product, the better your conversion rate is going to be. You don't, with social media the way it is and our, you know, everybody, like so much, our attention is just like ping, 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 ping. We keep seeing stuff all the time. We need to get them to take the action that we want immediately. And that is with print on demand, reading that message. This is on Facebook on a discovery-based platform. On a search-based platform like Etsy or Amazon, what we're seeing from that aspect is you can get away with a bit more fancy design again don't make it so complex that you, people can't read that message because they still got to um, click through from the thumbnails and whatnot um so you need to be able to show what it is otherwise if if people are squinting or they have to click through you're you're hurting your conversion rate so 
I have a question um, for this. Um, actually, yeah. I, I'm sure other listeners have this question. They're saying, hey, Ronnie, so you're saying, do I have I have some sales at my Etsy shop and it seems like I'm doing pretty well. I'm ready to scale. I should just go ahead and turn Facebook ads on and then run it all to, to my Etsy shop? No, 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 no. So the problem with the Etsy first approach, and I still encourage the having the Shopify store as a conduit between... Um, just bear with me. I'm going to mute the notifications on Slack. Okay. We don't hear it, by the way. I do. And it keeps taking me out of my... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, sorry. We'll cut this out. Anyway, so... So, should I send Facebook traffic to my Etsy shop? No, because... The problem with the Etsy first approach and building the brand on Etsy is that we're building someone else's brand. And this is why I suggest that Shopify is created from the get-go, even with the the, the smallest plan that you can do on there, because you can use that as the conduit between you and suppliers and Etsy. And the added benefit of that is you're not just uh, bound by suppliers that integrate directly into Etsy. So if you can use Shopify first and foremost to publish your products and then take them across to Etsy, you open up the whole catalog of all the different supplies that you've got in the print-on-demand landscape. Huge opportunity. And a lot of people aren't taking um, action on that. Now, when you've got products that are selling on Etsy, you are not driving traffic to Etsy. You are driving traffic to your branded Shopify store or your general store on there. But if you're finding that you're connecting with a a specific niche in your general store, which is ultimately what we're aiming to do, then we can start creating a niche Etsy store, which allows you a lot more clarity in the products that you're creating and then a niche branded Shopify store. So you, it's graduation, right? So you come in with general, you're trying to find where your success is, what you connect with, who, you, who your target market is, and find proof through your sales. You know, it's a very strong position to be in when you come from that angle. And then when you graduate into the Shopify store, you've got your branded website where you're directing traffic, paid traffic directly to, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, or whatever uh, paid advertising you're using, you're directing it straight to your, your Shopify store because then you're build, building your brand. And the beauty of that is your profit recycling. So you're going from um, Etsy where you found winners, you're making money on Etsy, you're reinvesting into building your brand further. You start collecting your email database, which is yours. Um, I know you can do, um, Everbee allows you to, to get um, your customer emails from there. And yes, you can um, do the same sort of thing on Shopify. And Shopify just allows you to really turn those screws. So you've got very little um, ability to scale hard on Etsy outside of ads that you just turn on. Uh, On Facebook, there's so many more things that you can do. You've got custom audiences. You can create like every step that someone takes on Shopify is tracked with, with the pixel from Facebook. You know, from the view content to the add to cart to the initiate checkout to the post uh, to the purchase, these are all events that we can start building audiences from. And those audiences, you we can retarget firstly, but then from there we can also create lookalike audiences of people that have taken these specific actions. So when we start scaling on Facebook, what we're looking for is as many different audiences as possible that we can scale hard into. If we got one, that's fantastic. That's the holy grail. You know, if you're scaling hard into one audience, 
fantastic. Good on you. Um, but our, my experience is that I, you know, to keep the conversion costs as low as possible, you're you're creating a lot of different audiences to find out where um, the the nice little honey pots are that you know allow you to make a lot more money. I love it, and the way that I look at it is, you start on Etsy, get going, proof of concept, get some skills, get some get some get the foundation, get your feet under you, right? Which with entrepreneurship, with digital selling. And when you start to like feel like, I think I can go bigger here, that's probably a time where you could either start your Shopify or your other site then, or maybe you're already using it, like you mentioned. And then you start kind of running traffic to then, and you're trying to get some sales to coming through your website as well. And eventually you could turn on Facebook ads and you turn on Google ads, you can turn on TikTok and, and all this, you can start building out marketing channels to scale your brand. So first you start, then you scale through your own site. It's hard to scale on Etsy. I agree. Like, I mean, someone says scale, it's usually, we're talking like a million dollars max per year, right? On Etsy. And I know there's bigger sellers in this. I know there is, but it's, it's very few, right? It's, it's much, there's a lot of multi-million dollar revenue brands on Shopify and, and other, you know, your own sites because you could run paid traffic to it. And that's where a lot of scale comes in. My question for you is how do you make your Facebook ads profitable running to your products, print on demand products. Um, I've seen people do this. Some people are successful with this. Some, most people or not most, a lot of people are struggle with this. And I tend to always go to the point of, Hey, you should be collecting email addresses first. Like, so by giving away a free offer, like a free thing, collect their address and then push them to an actual product eventually. That way you at least guarantee that you paid for an email address. But what is your, what is your experience lie in mostly? Is it like straight up, you run a Facebook ad straight to the product listing on Shopify and that thing is a winner you know, it's a winner. So that way it works and you're profitable on that ad. What's your experience? Yeah. So there's a lot of testing and it's a lot of investing in um, designs. And this is where the Etsy uh, first approach allows you to uncover those winning products. So it's really minimizing the amount of outlay that you need to do. So the reason I've, I put off putting on, like getting on Etsy for far too long. I think it was like 2017, 2018 that I actually decided to go on Etsy, did six figures in the first year. I was like, oh my God, why did I put it off so long? Because that would have been like 30 grand profit, easy. Mm-hmm. Um, for very little work, we'd, we'd already created the designs. It was literally getting the VA to publish them over on <laughs> Etsy. You know, but but again, like this is going back to my reason for doing print on demand in the first place. I was able to make a lot more money in a lot less time. And I didn't want to spend time trying to figure out another platform. You know, I thought it was going to be difficult. It wasn't. <laughs> it's it's you know, once you like it's the same thing. Every design is is you follow the same checklist effectively. You know, so um, but over on Facebook, how do you run them profitably? You know, it, it's a lot of investment until you find your winning products. And then once you've found your winning products, they are the ones that often pay for a lot of that investing and give you that extra money on top and often you know, a lot of extra money on top. But it takes a very strong mindset to, as a beginner to come across there and go, I'm, I'm willing to spend a few thousand dollars on testing ads to find those winners. And with good fundamentals, you can shortcut that time. And, you know, with, with, um, you know, and that's what I focus on in my training is learning those good fundamentals. 
but there's still nuance in, you know, you have to be very, very clear on your rules with Facebook marketing. You, the, the worst thing you can do for yourself is come at it from a scarcity mentality because mm-hmm. weirdly, when you do it from a scarcity mentality, and this goes back to the manifestation thing, you need to be confident in your ability. So if you're, you know, making $10,000 a month, $100,000 a month, whatever it is, we know that, you know, the people that operate at that level, they have an expectation that the work they put in is going to get the outcome that they're, they're working toward. Before we get there, we need that strong belief that we're doing that. We need that conviction going. Like you're going to have doubts. No matter what, even if you're manifesting that, you cannot remove the doubt completely. You will always have that. that set. What if you can't do that? You know, no, you shouldn't do that. What if that one doesn't sell? You know, that's not a good niche. That's not a good design. You know, you. that's why it's very important to continually remind yourself of the feeling of what it's going to be like when we reach that goal. So um, with the rules in place, if you're doing it from a scarcity mentality and you let the doubt speak too much, weirdly, like if you're doing it with a limited budget, what I've seen over the years from from students and whatnot and other people that are doing it um, on their own back is that they see, oh, I've got an ad to cart. Oh, this is getting a lot of engagement. I'm going to let it run a little bit longer. Pass the rules. You know, because you're like, oh, no, it's this one. It is, it is this one. You sort of fool yourself into thinking that, you know, this is this is going to be different to all the others. With, it, with a, an abundance mentality, you go, this isn't it. I've got to stick by these rules and I'll move on to the next design. Right. You know, you don't want to marry, marry your darlings. You want to really, you don't want to spend too long on a design. The amount of times that over the years have gone, this one's going to sell and it doesn't, you know, there's a lot of them. Uh, other times it's like the ones that you put the least amount of effort in, they go on to sell and you're like, what happened? Like, why? Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. So you've got to have that balance that again, done is better than perfect, but again, allow yourself that, that room to, if you're coming at, if you want to do the Facebook first approach, right? You've got a really good understanding of the fundamentals, you know, good design, you might be a graphic designer, but don't let that fool you into thinking that you know how to design for print on demand either. Because I've seen a lot of graphic designers, you know, not be able to be successful because they don't understand what is selling these products. Because even in having like a clear design on your, your shirt or whatever it may be, there's a way to to design it to make sure that the keywords are sticking out, like the key message, the punchline, they're all the things that are instantly recognizable. You know, they're not hidden or people don't like, uh, you don't want them searching for them. So I think that um, um, I, I agree with you. Like I, uh, I feel like my first go at e-commerce, maybe not my first, maybe second or third um, was Facebook ads. And that's where I started dipping my toes into this. And you realize pretty quickly that this is like a, it's a beast, right? You, you got to be ready. Like you said, you, I completely agree. You have to be ready to spend thousands of dollars, not hundreds, like not tens, like thousands of dollars in order to figure out what works. And you have to have the stomach in order to watch that go away, right? Quotes um, until you figure out, you know, a winner. And you know, I actually never figured out Facebook ads until I ended up purchasing a course 
And it wasn't even a Facebook ads course. I mean, I did a lot of free education, YouTubes and all this stuff on Facebook ads, but like it surprisingly, it's pretty fragmented. Like at the time, at least when I was researching it, there's not a lot of like, here's the fundamentals, how to set up a campaign, how to like, you know, your, you know, your ad, ad sets and your ads and all this stuff. And you rotate and like, there wasn't a lot of that, or at least it wasn't very easy for me to find. And what my experience was, I ended up just not having the stomach for it and just kind of giving up, you know, over time. And then eventually I bought this other course that was not a Facebook ads course. It was like a, I think it was a drop shipping course that had like print on demand, stuff like this. And, but they had a really good Facebook ads module inside their course. And the trainer was pretty good at Facebook ads seemed like, and dude, that was the first time I actually got them to work. I'm like, Whoa, I understand now the numbers and, the, and kind of the math behind it. And like, Oh, like your CTR is this. So like, if it's not this, you can optimize it this. And like, you could do all these little things, but really it was the foundation. I think that they set for me. I spent $30,000 in that course, by the way, it was the most money I've ever spent on like a course or on training of myself. And I didn't make money on that course. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't make money on that store that I, you know, kind of purchased that course for it's made me millions mm -hmm. though. in other businesses, like the fun, the foundations that I've learned inside that course has transferred to every single business that I've owned. And it's literally made so much money. I'm so grateful for that course. It's a, one of the best $30,000 uh, that I've ever spent. And anyway, uh, so my point is with this is for anyone listening that wants to go do Facebook ads, I don't necessarily agree that you should go start right away. I do agree that you should understand that it is, it is a future where it's a skill that you can learn in the future if you want to scale a brand. And when you do this, you can do it yourself and you can figure it out. I do believe this because I believe we can do anything. However, I would think that it'd be worth it to invest. You don't have to spend $30,000 necessarily on a course, but I do, in, I do believe in like paying someone to teach you something about the foundation, the, the, the campaign setup, because it will be something that you transfer to every business in the future because the, the, the mentality more than anything else. Uh, and my last note on this is I like that we're having this conversation because most of the time in our, in the podcast, we're usually talking about purely Etsy. And as much as I love it, and I, I agree that people should start there and they should continue to run there. We don't really talk about the bigger thinkers and there. I know we have some bigger thinkers that listen to this. They're like, I want to build like a million dollar brand, you know, a $10 million brand. How do I do this? And that's how we're talking about today. Like I, I was this weekend, I was with a friend who, uh, who built the company built, I don't know if you guys know built basics. Um, anyway, it's t-shirt men's apparel, women's apparel. Now really good friend of mine, uh, we were talking about Facebook ads. We were talking about paid media and literally they wouldn't be able to grow their brand to a million dollars a month in like less than 18 months without paid media. So the amount of scale and the opportunity that is available to us in 2024, it's just unreal. So I know I'm on a rant, but it gets me excited, man. It's, it's really fun to talk about like bigger stuff like this. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it, it's, it's very important. And this is like, we had a conversation last week and we're like, we've got to chat again next week. And, and that's the importance of surrounding yourself with people that do think bigger because even with print on demand, if you try and go to a barbecue with your friends and you try to explain what print on demand is, it'll take 10 to 15 minutes before you go, they just don't get it. You know, like, you know, I did that for a while because you get so excited about it. Hey, you know, someone's doing print on demand. They'll tell you. You know, that's the old 
vegan, vegetarian. I don't, I always mess that word up. Um, but is that mentality like surround yourself with people that do get it, that are looking to, to go that next level. So, and, and to your point about Facebook, I absolutely love it. What you can do with it is absolutely insane. You can scale brands very, very quickly. And, you know, you, I've always viewed other people's success as inspiration for my own. I very like. I am not pessimistic. If I see someone sharing numbers, I don't care how they got them. I don't care if they're running a profitable business. I believe they are I, because I do. Like that's the only way I would run a business. So I'm not going to be cynical in you know what their number is. It's like they did over a million dollars this month with paid advertising. If they can do it, I can do it, and I right. go to work to do it. And to your point about courses, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't invested in myself numerous times over the years. I've probably spent more than six figures on coaching wow. to this point because it's so important. And it's not because I want to ask them every single question because resourcefulness is another big thing that you need in this. No one's got all your answers. You've got to tread your own path. All you're wanting is for someone to give you the guidance because when you first start with Facebook, Again, this is why, where the mentality and the, the iron stomach comes into it. You're going to see a lot of failure with your designs. And when you're failing with your designs, you will second guess everything. Is it the right niche? Is it my ad setup? Is it my conversion rate optimization? Is it, I've got an orange button instead of a green button for a bite now. It clouds everything. But the same with Etsy SEO, the same with Facebook marketing. When you've got the fundamentals down and you're doing, you know, you're you're doing the best practices with all those other things, which when you're getting a theme on Shopify, you they're built to the best practice effectively. You want to make sure you're emulating another good um, platform. You want to make sure that you know all your SEO, your titles, tags, and descriptions all sorted. But outside of that, no matter how good that stuff is, it's not going to sell a shitty design. You know, they only work when you've got good quality products that are going out. And even still, with those things, we have, because the the nature of the algorithms, whatever it is, if it doesn't get surfaced at the right time to the right people, it may just not be the one that sells. And the only way that we counteract that is that we show up again tomorrow, that we put that next design up. The, LB, the LPD plus one is what I call it. The launches per day plus one. Always put another put put your launches up, but make sure you do one more. You don't want to be on the comfort couch. But the thing is, do not keep going, is it my SEO? Like, what do I have to do around my SEO? What's going to make this sell on Etsy? Like, this product is awesome. No, it's not because it's not selling. You know, you want to let the data speak for itself. And that's the same with Facebook. I need a new Facebook ad strategy. Oh, this one, it's just not working. Rubbish. What's not working is your phrase, your design is just not connecting yet. And you've got to keep testing. You know, use those bricks to pile up, to make fill that hole to get across to the other side. Because it's that, it's that belief that it's that next design that allows you to find it. It allows you to ask the question. It allows you to ask for help. You know, and it's that help, that getting that guidance, getting those boundaries. Because that's what effectively... Um, good quality coaching is. It's giving you boundaries. It's like, okay, this is the strategy. This is the roadmap that I need to get there. Now go to work. 
You know, it, it allows you to stop moving, um, making all the mistakes. And we're people, right? We're always going to step outside and test different things, which is great. And we need to do that. But first and foremost, we need to have a solid strategy, a solid path of what is the steps, I, what are the steps I need to take to get the results that I want to get. And that right. is by following someone that's been there, done that, because that's showing you the path. They're showing you what's worked for them, you know, and along that journey, you will find what works for you as well. I've invested in tens of thousands of dollars worth of coaches and courses over the time. Has every one of their strategies worked? No, but I've always learned something from them. There's only one um, coach that I had in that time that I was disappointed with, and that was because they just didn't show up. They didn't do what they said they were going to do. But outside of that, I've learned something from everyone that I've spoken to. Mm -hmm. Every conversation that I have, like right now with you, Cody, like there's things that you've said through this conversation. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I'm going to like look at that later. Mm -hmm. you know. And, and that's why it's important, again, to connect with like-minded people. It fires you up. Holy shit. Like I get, like I'm buzzing now. Like I, mm -hmm. I can feel that I've you know, got prickles on the back of my arm. There's a time where a couple of years ago that I was in a bit of a slump, like in a dark room like this, just not getting success. It was probably in August when it seems to be the super quiet period of the year. I was like, I just felt down in the dumps. I don't think I've ever been depressed, but if there was a time that I could have been classed as depressed, this was it. At that time, I was like, I need to connect with other guys that are getting after it, that are succeeding right now to inspire my own success. And so I, I created this men's um, business breakfast that we'd catch up once a month, throw a steak on the open fire, have a coffee and just talk. You know, it was men's because I really believe that as a man, um, I, I equally love entrepreneurial chicks. Like I think that's fantastic, good on them. But there's clear, um, you know, with my role in my family is I want to provide for my family. I don't want my wife to feel like that she has to go to work and make the money. I want her to have that space to go. If she wants to um, you know, spend more time with the family, I want to give her that space. My role, I've always felt, is to provide for my family. You know, it, I've, I've never questioned that. But I think, and this leads into a whole other area of topic, you know, is that I feel so many guys these days are, they just they don't know where they are in life. They don't know what they're supposed to. Or they don't know how they're supposed to feel about anything. You know, this toxic masculinity and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, I you treat people kindly. You treat them with respect that they deserve. You know, and and I think if you come from that that place and you're not misogynistic or anything like that, you're not saying where's my dinner or that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, I do joke and I often say that, but I don't because I, I also cook. But, um, you know, I'm, what I'm trying to say is if you feel called to provide and search and hunt, go out there and find whether, you know, how to make money, lean into it. Or surround yourself you know, with other people that do that. Surround yourself with other people that get it. It's so Love important it. because those those, those breakfasts, uh, whilst they don't happen now, um, because like, again, there's differences in people, even in similar spaces. So um, what ended up happening was there was more 
smaller businesses that were that were catching up in that space and this is where this the selfishness sort of comes into it for me it's like what whilst i love and appreciate businesses of all kind um you know australian cafes i absolutely love them the, the coffee that you know they make 95 percent of australian um cafes are independently owned like each, each of these shops cool. care so deeply about the coffee that they make like the way that's roasted organic fair trade all that kind of stuff but what my point is that's not necessarily my space to own a coffee shop. Um, to me, that's very restrictive. I can't scale like we can sure. with e-commerce. So there's another level of thinking. It's like, it's not the small business people that I want to catch up with. I want to catch up with the ones that yeah. are taking on the world. Like you, Cody, that that has this platform ever be, which is amazing. That sticks so many boxes, helps so many people. You know, I think that tool is fantastic because again, success leaves clues. And this is this is the breadcrumbs. Everbee's filled with breadcrumbs, like of of successful businesses. Like it's it's the you know the Hansel and Gretel. Like you follow that. We're not going to a a house made of you know gingerbread or whatever it was. We're it's taking us to what we want, and that is you know that extra income to be able to you know spend more time with our families, to have more holidays, to pay down debts, to do all these things that we Thank want you, this money for. And it's not the fast cars. It's not the Louis Vuitton bags and all the other bullshit that we're led to believe that we need. Like what the rappers and singers have and the cars and all that sort of shit. That's not important. Like I don't care. Like I want one. Don't get me wrong. Like I am wrong a consumer with like anybody. Exactly. Sure. There's, nothing There's nothing wrong with, with wanting that. But they're bonuses. But they're, they're just, they're byproducts of your success. Exactly. You're actually they're a reward on. for achieving goals. Without a doubt, they're a reward. Um, and, and you, you, like, if that's what lights you up, go for it. But don't let that be what keeps you in debt, unable to provide and right. put food on the fa- the table for your family. You know, it they're, they're cool, whatever. But what's really cool and where I give mad respect is to the people that provide first for themselves, that set themselves up, they get the assets in place that allows them the freedom to then go on and buy you know, anything and everything that they want. Well, I love those things as much as everybody else, mm-hmm. but you have to have the ability to be able to put off the instant gratification. Ronnie, um, this is, I completely agree. I mean, this is, this, this conversation went uh, different ways that I had not expect at all in a great way. Uh, we talked about manifestation, spiritual stuff. We talked about family, kids, entrepreneurship, of course, Facebook ads and Etsy scale we talked really big and then we also talked about like what it's you know for the men out there maybe we touched on a little bit about what's important you believe you know in being a man and very cool man and i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience it's super valuable and honestly what our conversation today will make a huge impact on it minimum one person right and like that person will go on to build a six-figure multi-six-figure and maybe multi-million dollar brand simply because they listened to this conversation it played a small role so thank you again for this man uh where can people find you follow you hear more from you where would you direct them to yeah so my um i started storehacks.com way back in 2017 and that was to to really help people find success 
from what was working for me in my business in print on demand. So, uh, and ethically, the biggest thing and the biggest catalyst for why I wrote that blog was so many print on demand sellers were being taken down because of trademark and IP infringement. And I wanted to show people there was a way because even though I started um, by playing around in that trademark territory, I very quickly realized it wasn't for me. I was only in there doing that stuff for about four weeks. But then um, I, I pivoted to going, I want to just do it from being unique, creative, whatever. And that's where I found my success is that in that uniqueness. And that's where um, Store Hacks came about to show other people it was possible to make a hell of a lot of money without infringing on other people's trademarks. I love it. So that's storehacks.com. More recently, podhacks.co is where I do um, print on demand coaching. So if you're looking to create a five to $10,000 plus per month print on demand business in as little as two hours a day, that's where I'm helping you learn the roadmap to creating those um, businesses. So um you know you're also on tiktok you're also on tiktok tiktok also- yeah tiktok instagram uh, i've got a print on demand profits group with yeah i was gonna say i'm in your facebook yep i'm in your facebook group and i'm always getting value out of that thing i get updates yeah. all the time from you and i'm just like always pull away like little nuggets i'm like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah i can flick you the links for for all the different places Please that do. i'm at but um i'm all, forever putting content out every single day i've got content going out and all my content through my YouTube channel on Instagram, on TikTok is designed to help people make more money a lot faster than they would trying to do it by themselves. So sure. um, I will know, link, I've been uh, here for, sorry. I was going to say, I'll link to all of Ronnie's links in the description below um, or in the show notes, depending on where you're consuming this. Uh, Ronnie, leave us with one, like a one-liner uh, like to, to inspire someone that maybe ch- considering giving up before listening to this oh it's it's a jordan peterson quote and it was effectively to the point of what's worse investing now and finding out whether it will work for you or not or in five years time being the exact same place as you are now never having tried Hmm. the only difference being is you'll be five years older a lot more stressed and who knows if you do succeed you can be in a completely different world like you you have to back yourself you really do like no one's coming to save you you know the sooner you can realize that and and put that monkey on your back to you know what it's on me time to go to work and you know it's not work you know this is the thing with print on demand is it's so enjoyable it's why i've been doing it for 10 plus years now in e-commerce 15 plus years and full time for that time you know so um it's because it's fun it's creative like if you're um, analytical left brain right brain whatever it is it it helps you to activate both because to run a successful business you need an analytical mind to be to run a successful print on demand business you need a creative mind and it works you know both together seamlessly you know it's beautiful so um right Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. We'll have to get you on again um, and talk more about Facebook ads and maybe like a strategy or something like that. I know there's people that wanted us to go deeper on Facebook ads and scale. Uh, so we'll have to have you gone again, but till then, man, thank you so much again. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, brother.